is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Ryan Scott Oliver. And boy, oh boy, is this guy a wealth of knowledge. Not only do we talk about music writing, but we talk about his day-to-day, how he stays positive, lessons he's learning, and so much more. This is such a wonderfully wide-ranging conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did having the conversation with Ryan Scott Oliver. Enjoy. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Ryan Scott Oliver. Ryan, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. I was going through some of my notes in the last three years. This podcast just turned three years old. And oh my God, congratulations. Thank you so much. And I, you and I had correspondence two years ago to do a conversation <laughs> on this show. And, you know, life happens and whatnot. And I don't remember, you know, I, I probably dropped the ball on it, but it was just funny because I'm going back and I was like, oh my goodness, we never got to talk. So I'm so, oh I'm so glad that you've taken this time and I can't wait to, to dive in here with you. Yeah, likewise. Uh, let's take it back to the beginning of time for Ryan Scott Oliver. What were your <laughs> musical theater dreams growing up? Ooh, well, you know, I didn't really have them until... I was in middle school. I my father was a truck driver, and my mom uh, was like started as a cleaning lady and became like an HR person. And so art was not really part of my family, and even my extended family, no musicians, no one that really did anything like that. But my best friend, uh, you know, in in middle school, her mom was just a musical theater queen, let's say. And, you know, musical theater was kind of her life. And so we did, we ended up doing like a community production of Once Upon a Mattress. And at the back of the vocal book, as you know, there is usually like the vocal line, you know, written out in the sheet music. And I remember seeing that and and really seeing music for the first time. I mean, you know, I'm sure I had seen sheet music before, but I was like, what's that, you know, what's a key signature? And, you know, what are these rhythms and what does it all mean? It was like, it was the language that I had. I had this like burning passion to understand it. So that sort of set everything off and into motion. And I started writing a little bit. Um, I was simultaneously at um, the LA County High School of the Arts. Um, famously, Josh Groban uh, uh, graduated from there and uh, Corbin Blue and Phoebe Bridgers, um, some really, really quite very, very talented people. Yeah. Um, I was actually in Fiddler on the Roof with Josh Groban and the entire production is on YouTube. Oh, no. I um, <laughs> and I, I am a very different shape uh, and I'm a non-dancer, but I played Perchik, who does the wedding dance and uh, it's really embarrassing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So uh, I was performing quite a bit, but I, I my my interest in writing was developing. And I remember that, you know, I was sort of writing songs here or there, but I never could and still cannot really play the piano. I can fake it, but I can't really play it. Um, and I remember in 11th grade, we had an assignment to do something artistic with uh, the work of Edgar Allan Poe, any, 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 any interpretation of art you know, that we wanted to do. And I ended up basically writing a lyric um, that was very pattery and very Sondheim-y about like the telltale heart. And 
that following summer, I started writing a musical version of Arthur Miller's The Crucible, because um, I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> and uh, and then that sort of set everything off. And I remember when I, when I applied for college, I applied to a few schools for composition and I applied to a few schools in musical theater. And I, you know, I had, you know, I got accepted in, 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 in some places in both areas, but I, I, but I, I'll, you know, to, to, when I got to UCLA, which is where I ended up going, I got, I went there for composition and I started to double major in vocal music. So, and I, you know, all of this is to say, you know, you know, my Broadway dreams, did I, did I want to be a composer or did I want to be a, a performer? And anyway, my voice teacher, I was going to a voice teacher one day and, you know, I, the amount of time I prepared for this voice lesson was the amount of time it took for me to get from my apartment to her room, which was about eight minutes of listening back to my, you know, previous voice lesson. Yeah. And I was unprepared, I was underprepared. And she said to me, because she had also changed careers herself, she had said, you know, how much time did you spend writing though today? And I said about eight hours. <laughs> and she was like, okay. And that was the moment when I sort of realized that, you know, I am a good singer. I, I can't dance a lick. I'm a, I'm a fine actor, but I'm the writing thing is what I do really well. And I, and, and that sort of, started this path for me you know it's funny because i i, I look back on that and i go like when i was in 11th grade when i was a senior did i think i was going to win a tony as an actor did i think did i have you know when did those dreams sort of start i know for sure that by the time i left undergraduate uh uh school you know i i was clear that i wanted i wanted to be a composer in new york city and that's and that's and that's when the rest begins I love it. I have so many questions. I want to go back to the beginning, the beginning of part of that. What did your, Great. what did your parents teach you about work ethic? Oh my God. So that is the thing I will say. My parents worked in extraordinarily hard to the point where, you know, I look back on it and you know, it's a little bit of the busy bandwagon. You know, my mom, my mom never sits down. She just never sits down. She gets up, you know, five 30 in the morning, you know, she's active immediately. She works, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours, you know, at the company she works for. And then she comes home and she, you know, she continues to work on every weekend. There's no, there's no time off. She, she is just an incredibly hard worker. And my father, when he was a truck driver, you know, he would work every hour he could of overtime to support us. So, you know, the, the, the bad thing about that was that I, I didn't see him as much as I'd like to, but both of my parents very much demonstrated that m most of your life should be spent working. You know, the, the, the difference for me and, you know, something that I had to deal with with my dad is that, you know, the thing my dad would have added to that at that time was, but work sucks, right? Like <laughs> you have to work all day, but yeah. it's going to be terrible. And you know, I love work. I, I like when when I have a quote unquote day off, which means I don't have a meeting or I don't have to teach or anything like that. That is my favorite because I get to work on the things that I love doing. I get to work on my my, my the various projects that I that I have. Yeah. And, you know, that really fills me with such with tremendous amounts of joy. And I, I just I love what I do. Yeah, that's that's 
that's special. I mean, it's so true. You know, you can you can work a whole hell of a lot <laughs> and yeah. still enjoy it. Yeah. You know, um, do you remember the first song you wrote or was it in the in the musical version of The Crucible? Oh, my God. I, I, I vividly do, because for some strange reason, I wrote a song in seventh grade and it was called Will She Ever Know? Um, because, of course, I was pre-gay and uh, <laughs> it was uh, terrible. Um, I ended up like repurposing it into a song called Will He Ever Know when I was, you know, later in high school. But it uh, but that was the first one. Uh, I. I I, it's funny because I don't even remember, like no one taught me song structure and I don't even remember it well enough to know if it was even decently structured. But I, you know, what I do think though, is that I, when I say no one taught me song structure, now that I think about it, you know, I was this, this same best friend that sort of got me into the musical theater world. She, I really, I really put her through the ringer. Her mom had all of these um, uh, records of of Broadway cast recordings. You know, this is the the early '90s, mid early mid '90s, and she, I asked her to make cassette tapes of all of these records so that I could listen to these musicals. And so, by the time I was in, you know, a freshman in high school, I had accrued a, a pretty decent wealth of knowledge in terms of musical theater history and especially the Sondheim. Uh, canon, and I should also add that this same the, this same friend and her mother had a musical theater camp, and so this you know kind of relating you said you know what did your parents teach you about work ethic, right. you know as this family was sort of like a surrogate family for me, uh, they this camp that they would do every summer there would be a theme like the first theme was Rodgers and Hammerstein so suddenly by the time I'm in seventh grade I'm like a Rodgers and Hammerstein expert right then the next <laughs> was quote unquote musicals or kids stuff which was like all musicals surrounded kids like Oliver and Annie and Grease and West Side Story and Bye Bye Birdie and so suddenly like I now know those five musicals really well so learning my musical theater history and 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 Sondheim and the Sondheim canon was a way that I sort of taught myself how to how 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 songs are meant to be structured because it's strange for me because I, I in in some of my teaching I will work with a lot of first time songwriters so, you know a lot of them are actors who who are interested in writing songs and want to see if they're any good at it and and the first thing I notice is that they don't have frequently they don't have a natural instinct for song structure or say melody matching the idea that like the verses musically should sound the same right there there's it's almost like pop music and you know sort of some poorly crafted contemporary musical theater has sort of taught them that like you write a lyric stream of consciousness and it just can wander and it can kind of go all over the place and there's no sense of structure so all of this is to say in a very roundabout way, that that first song I wrote, you know, was was probably was probably a decent structure, and it was it 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 was the beginning of of everything else. I love it. I love this. So, how has your how, if it, if it has changed? How has your writing style changed? And by style, I mean the order in which you actually create a piece. Has it changed much from yeah. the beginning to now? I love that question. That is, I mean, that that is that is such a, a brilliantly specific question that it makes me think that like you as an artist have have found your process sort of changing and shifting. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. I love that. But, I love that you said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I definitely think it has. You know, also I I think of my work 
in sort of three phases, right? Or three periods so far. And I think the first one was, you know, when anybody ever heard of me, let's say like 2007, when sort of like I and many of my other peers, you know, Adam Guan, Paskin Paul, Joy Connors, Nick Blamire, when we all started with, you know, the YouTube generation and contemporary musical theater and all that good stuff. And I was writing a lot of rock and a lot of pop music. I was writing a lot of what I would consider to be commercial theater. It was a lot of collaboration and it was a lot of me sort of writing, writing with someone uh, to order, to, to someone else's order, whether it was a teacher's assignment or it was a, you know, it was a, someone was asking us this. But in 2012, I had sort of a, a professional catastrophe occur in my life. And it really made me stop and think about who I was and what I wanted to do. And that changed everything. And the first musical I wrote, I actually got fired from a job. And because I, I at that time, I should have been fired too. I was, I was wrong for it. Um, and I couldn't take a note. Not that I was argumentative, but I just didn't know how to... I, I didn't know yet how to be my best collaborator, and which I, I, I think I have learned better. In any case, it, it made me kind of go, well, I need to start pleasing myself. I need to start writing for me instead of writing for other people. And that began my process that I still do, which is that whenever I have an idea for a musical, I spend a tremendous amount of time before I do anything, which is researching. And for the app, for the, if I'm writing a musical and I, I'm writing book music and lyrics, I will spend about six months uh, researching it, listening, watching, taking notes, you know, all kinds of things that relate to the piece, that are peripheral to the piece. And by the time I start writing, I have 3,000 ideas. And I don't really get writer's block because I start working on a project with like a binder of ideas and notes and, and, every you know so much of the show is already f kind of sketched out in my head that writing becomes you know such a joy it's it's just about today i'm writing this song and here's all the things i know about this song and that extends to when i write a scene or a song you know i go back to that research and i'm curating all of these this wealth of influence into the thing i'm working on and it's you know it, it means that my work i find you know without giving myself too much credit I find that my work can often feel to many people at best original, right? At worst, um, uh, uh, kind of, you know, sometimes inaccessible, some some might say. Um, <laughs> but I think that that comes from sort of the, the fusion of, of resources and research that I use. Um, and that's really changed my, my process. I, I did mention that that I've, I've, my life's sort of been in three, you know, phases or periods. And I think the third one is, after I sort of went through a period of years of doing what I just talked about, mm. I realized I kind of needed to go, you know, I felt like a, a man who had been on a journey a little bit. You know, I wrote a number of musicals by myself and, you know, kind of was a new man as an artist. And then I think I realized I needed to go back and begin collaborating with people in earnest. And and that's been my life for the last three years and, 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 and still is. And I, I have been so lucky to... Uh, get to work with so many incredible people and 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 the, all the projects I'm working on now are, are collaborations and I'm having a, a, the time of my life. How have you become a better collaborator? More specifically, how have you become better at, I guess, communicating and yeah, yeah. listening? Yeah. 
you know, <laughs> so I'll say, and again, I'm really not proud of this. And I do think that like, this is, you know, some of my childhood sort of poisoned my mind in, 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 in some of these ways. You know, on one hand, I think that I have always worked really hard and I think that I've always felt really knowledgeable. And I think that it took me a long, it took me longer than maybe other people to find, to, to understand that just because the voice in my head tells me, oh, that's a good idea, Ryan, you're right, Ryan, doesn't mean that I actually am right. And it took me a number of times of, of me thinking, you know, this idea was good and, you know, someone telling me it wasn't and me being like, cool, I'm going to disagree with you. And then the work would be put out and everyone would agree with that other person. You know, you know, the, the work would sort of fail. I would, I would be out, I would, re, I would realize then that I had been outvoted. And that happened a number of times to make me kind of, again, never, never second guess myself, never really question my instincts, but really remember that I had to give space to other people to insert themselves and to create space for other people to do their best work and to really develop an appreciation for the people that I'm working with. And, you know, I'm not somebody who gives my book writers notes. Like I, you know, if at, if we get down the line and we have a draft, you know, I'll often say like, okay, let's kind of comb through this. You give me notes on lyrics and music and I'll give you notes on, on, on you know, nitpicky things. But I, I, I know how hard it is to write a song. And if I'm going to collaborate with somebody, you know, presumably I've, 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 I've had the choice of whether or not I want to collaborate with this particular person. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working with someone I love and I'm working with someone I care about and that I respect. And, you know, I, I think it took me a long time to really appreciate that when you love someone and you respect them, you have to like let them win. And that doesn't mean... And, and also accepting that that doesn't mean that the project is going to suffer because my idea could have actually been the thing that made the project suffer, right? And so really kind of just under, kind of understanding my place, you know, it's, it's it, I think people, you know, people who start in this business with this feeling of like, I'm the best, I'm the smartest in the room. And I think there are a lot of us that, that, that start that way. And what we're really feeling, I think, is that we are confident and we know that we have worked very hard to get to the place we're at. And I think that we, and I think that the true demonstration of that is using, is, is, is creating more safety and respect for the people that you work with. And I think some people never figure that out. And I'm lucky, you know, I, you know, I certainly I would have been luckier to have figured that out earlier, but I'm lucky that I'm, you know, I've, I, I figured that out by the time I was 30 and, you know, and haven't missed a beat. Yeah. That's, that's very, very well said. I mean, it's all about creating that safe space. You know, when you're mm -hmm. most comfortable, you, you can, you know, creatively produce the most. Yes. Um, what okay so you mentioned having all these notes and having you know a binder full of information before you sit down to write what's the just for my brain what's the ratio of preparation you know of getting that that binder together versus the act of actually sitting down and creating yep. the musical so i um uh by the way, I have a, I have a, like a tiny heater that's on but my room is very cold. I don't know if can you hear that? Slightly, chance? slightly. It's all good though. Yeah. I will actually it off. Um, no, don't don't freeze. <laughs> it's 
okay. Um, so my system, you know, all things being equal and there not being any additional context, my dream schedule would be that I, I get my idea, you know, in January and then I think about it and I sit about sit on it while I'm doing other things until about June. And then in June, you know, I think about six months. I basically would love to, I would love to have a good idea for six months before I, and, 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 and have it sit with me and keep coming back to it and going, yeah, that's still a good idea. And so that six months later, I'm like, I've had this idea for a while. And so in June, let's say, I'll begin the research phase and I'll be rewriting other musicals. I'll be doing other things for other projects. But in June, part of my day is now going to be spent through December researching, creating outlines, creating, you know, structuring the show, creating playlists of music I want to steal from, um, basically preparing myself to go to battle with writing this show. Then come, you know, then I'll take the holidays off. And then come January, I'll basically give myself six months to write the first draft. And during the middle of that, I will do it like I will do presentations or readings of 20 minutes of 45 minutes of the first act whatever right. to peers along the way so six months of research it's, it's weird it's like it's almost everything's in six months six yeah. months of idea six months of research six months of the first draft and then six months of a second draft that hopefully ends with a really strong uh uh public reading yeah and that you usually hit that you come in just under just over literally six months Usually, usually I probably could do it just under, yeah. but I, you know, but you know, life happens and yeah. life gets, you lose two weeks here and two weeks there. And, and, but I'm, I'm actually pretty good with deadlines. So and now correct me if I heard you incorrectly earlier that you are not the best at playing piano, but you compose all of your songs on the piano. I do. And I notate the whole thing. I orchestrate the whole thing. I vocal arrange the whole thing. I all, I do all of it. It's that I don't have the dexterity to play the keyboard. Like my fingers don't, I'm not a great dancer, like I said, right, right. and my fingers don't really want to operate. And, it, and, it, and it, it fascinates me when I meet people who don't read music, who play the piano very well, or or people that I go like, it just like, it's it's a skill that they just absorbed and it, it you know again I, i'm a, i'm on a keyboard i'm on a keyboard you know six to eight hours a day when i'm writing and my my skill as a pianist has still not improved like i like i can i you know when i write a song i write it in the most basic chord you know chord structures and i can play that you know with some mistakes but then when I write the thing down, I'm dressing the whole thing up mm. and I'm messing the whole thing up and I'm messing with the chords and I'm spending a lot of time really arranging what the piano is going to be. And that's really where I find my art is at is at its best. And I do think, you know, the you know, so many of my peers and so many of the greats that came before me that that were excellent pianists. You know, somebody told me once, like, you know, one of the benefits of not being someone who plays the piano is that my hands don't go into the same patterns. You know, you look at Sondheim, you know, by the time it gets to Merrily We Roll Along through, I would say, 
assassins. You know, you see a lot of the same accompanimental figures, which is I'm not insulting Sondheim, but I am saying I think that you see patterns of 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 the way that he composes. Um, sure. Someone like Bill Finn, I think that like you, you can see patterns in in the way he writes because the way he plays the piano, and because I don't have that, I'm able to be a little bit more creative sometimes with my accompaniment because I'm not I'm not having to play it right. Like I'm I, I'm, you know what I mean? I do, I do. Do you start with like the top line, the melody, or you you really actually do start with the chords and then a melody comes after? It sort of depends on the kind of song. If I'm doing something that is like a production number or like a song that I want to be a quote unquote like popular song in the show, a hit or whatever. Sure. I'm going to make sure that I know what the groove is, the tempo and the chord, like the chord structure. Sure. I want to just kind of know what the musical world is going to be. And then I'm going to write a lyric that's going to fit into this. If it's a particularly intimate moment where a character is sort of spilling their guts. I'm for sure going to just start with a lyric and I'm going to like let their, let the text dictate the music. Um, and then everything else is kind of, you know, one foot in front of the other. I, I don't, when I started, I would write the full lyric and then I would set it, but it's been a really long time that I I'll write, you know, I'll, I'll get one piece of it, whether it's the title or the hook or, or uh, a rhythm or a single melody. And then I will then write, you know, something, the thing that goes with it. If I've written the lyric, then I'm going to write the music of the verse. Right. And then I'll write the next lyric of the chorus. And then I'll write the music of the chorus. And then, you know what I mean? So it's, it's to me, the, you know, what comes first music or lyrics is always, you know, it's kind of one foot, then the next foot, one foot, then the next foot. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 